Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Well, good morning, church. How are you doing this morning? Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joel, and I'm the Port Perry site pastor, and it's so great to be with you this morning. I want to say a big biased shout out to my family in Port Perry. I uh, haven't been there in like three weeks. I miss you guys so much. I'll be back next week. Uh, have a great morning. Hello to our friends in C4 Bowmanville as well, and soon to be C4 Pickering. We're getting really excited for that. Uh, it's so great to be with you here this morning. Um, um, my, my, my family and I, we just got back from a trip to Florida. We drove down there, me, my wife, Nicole, and our daughter, Sophie, who's 11 months old. And the 24-hour drive to Florida with an 11-month-old went about as well as you can expect a drive like that to go. But we had a great time, and, and, and we came back about a week ago. And I, I realized that every time I travel, uh, I'm, I'm reminded that I'm kind of a nervous traveler. I'm not a very good traveler. I get anxious, and I start thinking through all the different things that could go wrong, how far we are from home. I much prefer routine, stability, structure. I'm kind of boring that way. I'm a real, I'm a real homebody. My wife, on the other hand, she's a lot more fun than I am. Uh, she's very adventurous. She loves uh, trips and adventures like that. So uh, as a way to stretch myself and, and to kind of love my wife really well, uh, for her birthday uh, in this month, uh, I set up for us a private airplane tour of Toronto for three hours uh, with a friend of mine who's learning how to fly and just trying to get his pilot's license. <laughs> and it was really cheap for that reason. So I hope you enjoy the last sermon you'll ever hear me preach because I'm just kidding. You know, uh, this idea of predictability and, and, and routine that, that I like so much, I think that that has a, has a way of invading our Christian lives. Uh, we have a way of drifting into that, I think, if we're not careful. Some of us prefer that, and we drift into that in our discipleship with Jesus. And I think as you read the Bible, as you read the New Testament, particularly as you read the book of Acts, you see a faith that is not really all that safe and predictable. You see, you see a Christian life that is not routine, that is not ordinary, uh, that is not structured as, as some of us might like it. Because the Holy Spirit is involved. And the, the Holy Spirit has been sent by Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is now here with us in the church. And sometimes it gets a little weird in a good way. Sometimes we get a little uncomfortable in a good way. And, and that's appropriate and that's good. But did you know that God can do an amazing thing in, in our church as we believe he is doing and is going to, doing, going to do, and you can miss it. God could draw near this morning, and if, and if your posture is like this, or if you're just tuned out, or, or, or you're, not, you're not comfortable with where things are going as the Spirit leads, you could miss it. And I think that's a, the right idea for us to begin this next chapter of our spiritual gift series as we take a look at the gift of prophecy. I think there's some people uh, in the sound of my voice who are really excited that we're, we're going there. We're talking about the gift of prophecy, how God speaks through people to his church. And maybe those people actually need a little bit more structure to see how orderly the scriptures describe how this gift should be used. And I, I think growing up in the church, my, my suspicion would be there's a lot of people in the room who uh, perhaps are a little skeptical about this idea, perhaps have seen the gift of prophecy, seen pastors or, or church leaders speak on God's behalf in ways that have been hurtful or harmful or just clearly wrong. 
I think both of us need to kind of come together and find a balance because the truth is that God speaks today. God still speaks to his people and God still speaks to his church. Before we dive into this gift, I want to just recap the series for those who, who may be joining us for the first time or are or, or new to the conversation. Uh, the, the spiritual gifts are qualities or proficiencies received from the Holy Spirit for ministry, which can be developed over time. They are the only ongoing guaranteed source of power in the Christian life. That's what Pastor John says, and it's true. They are different from natural gifts, which are qualities that are innate inside you or, or are there from birth, which can be developed over time. You've always been really good with numbers. Uh, your spiritual gift is not math. That's a natural ability. And then there's learned abilities. There are skills acquired through training, education, or experience that are developed over time through your own effort. You're really good at the guitar, but sorry, that's not your spiritual gift. You have a different spiritual gift. And then we put them into three categories. We say there are love gifts, word gifts, and power gifts, and they help us understand them more. And love gifts manifest the love of God in practical ways, things like acts of mercy, service, Word gifts clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God. I'm using one of my strongest gifts this morning, the gift of teaching, which is a word gift, to clarify what the scriptures say about this topic. And then there's power gifts that demonstrate the power, presence, and reality of God. Prophecy is, although it's spoken, it's kind of both, but it's primarily a power gift because God is kind of intervening into a moment, speaking through a person to a community of people in a profound way. Now, what we're doing over this 10-week series is we're building a common script, or perhaps rebuilding. We did this series, I believe, eight years ago, and of course, so many of you have joined us since then. What we're doing is trying to get on the same page about this, because as we all kind of come from different church backgrounds, we all have different understandings, different subtleties of how we understand the gifts, and I think particularly prophecy, I was assigned, I think, one of the tougher gifts. It's the only sermon in the series that is only one. I think a lot of us kind of come to the table with different understandings of what this means. So we need to kind of get on the same page and establish a common script. Why? So that we can work together. So that we can understand each other. And there's this word that I'm going to refer to a few times this morning. So that we can understand the interdependence of the body of Christ. And, and, and prophecy is unique in that when it is used and spoken, it affects all of us. It's not a one-on-one -on -one encouragement that no one ever finds out about. When it is used, it is corporate in nature, and we will all hear it. So we could miss it if we don't understand what's going on. Um, there are a lot of scriptures that describe the gift of prophecy in such a way that even if we want to pretend it's not a thing, if we honestly read the scriptures, we know we have to wrestle with it. Here are a few. In Ephesians 4, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, lowercase p, this is referring to the spiritual gift, not the Old Testament dudes, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that, very important, the body of Christ may be built up, edified. First Corinthians says, now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, another message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, miraculous powers, and to another prophecy, the spiritual gift of prophecy. Romans 12, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. 
Here are a couple definitions. Again, uh, I should have said this already, but uh, one big giant hat tip to Pastor John. This is all his hard work. I'm kind of regurgitating it with my own spin. He has worked really hard on this. Here are a couple definitions that John has put together or found through other sources. The spiritual gift of prophecy is the ability to deliver truth in a public context, either in a predictive nature, see what's coming, or as a situational word from God in order to correct believers by exhorting edifying or consoling them or to convince non-believers of God's truth. Okay, that's one definition. Another one is this. A person operating in this gift is deeply impressed that God has by his spirit given him or her a message to deliver in a specific situation. That message may result in further insight into God's word, conviction of sin, bring reproof, provide comfort, or a new sense of direction for the group. God speaks to an individual that individual speaks what God shares with them to the church. In 1 Corinthians 14, we hear, and this is the last one for now, we, we, we hear what this gift is supposed to do and, and why it is used. It says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for, one, their strengthening, two, their encouraging, and or three, their comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. This, this is a unique gift because it is corporate in nature. It affects all of us. Now, an important clarification is that the, the gift of prophecy is different than the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching, kind of like what I'm doing, using right now, or, or Pastor John does every week. When Pastor John comes up here and preaches, you, you may not know this, but he spends about 20 to 25 hours a week in sermon prep, in prayer, in studying the scriptures, in thinking prayerfully and carefully how he can best communicate and, and, and how accurately and applicable he can communicate the scriptures to us as a community. It comes through careful study. It's the spirit moving through the gift of teaching, but there's hard work involved. The gift of prophecy is different because it's a bit spontaneous in nature. You kind of can't sit down for 20 hours in your office and say, okay, I'm going to come up with a prophecy this week. It's not really how it works. You will be praying or worshiping uh, or anything. You'll, you'll just be living your life, and, and the Lord may speak to you and prompt you and give you something to share. Now, as we begin uh, our study here, there are two audiences listening. There is likely a fairly small group, uh, considering the size of our church, of people who have this gift or who may have this gift and are kind of in the process of discovering it. Now, obviously, this topic will be interesting to you. You, you should listen if you have the gift or think you might have the gift. But there's going to be a lot of us listening who don't. And I think the tendency, I mean, this would be me in university, if the prof started talking about something that I didn't care about, would be to tune out. But because this is a unique gift, and because it's corporate in nature, and because it's important for all of us to understand how each other are operating, to be this interdependent body dynamic that is thriving, we all need to listen in. Because what could happen is that God could speak to somebody in our church with the gift of prophecy. And then that prophecy could be shared. And if you don't really know what's going on, you might miss it. And I really don't want that for me. And I really don't want that for you. Because when God speaks, we better listen. When God speaks, we must listen. There are several places in the New Testament where the gift of prophecy uh, is used and demonstrated. But perhaps the best place for us to dig in for a few minutes this morning uh, is in Acts chapter 21. In the story of this guy named Agabus. Let me read it for you. 
It says, leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Interesting. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Now, Paul and his companions, companions, they're on their third missionary journey at this point, traveling around. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, those are heavy words, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt, Paul, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Pretty remarkable, short little story. There are three things I want us to know, kind of flowing out of this passage and out of the, the narrative of the gift of prophecy in the New Testament. And the first thing is this. We'll start at ground zero. God still speaks to his people. I know I already said that, but I'm going to say it again. God still speaks to us today. God wants to speak to you individually. He wants to lead you and guide you. He wants you to walk in his spirit and be led by him. And God still speaks to his church. Jesus is the head of the church, and he cares about what happens in it. He cares so much about us, and he cares so much about you, that he demonstrated his love by sending his son into the world to die for you. And he raised him three days later through the power of his Holy Spirit, and then gave you, if you're a Christian, that same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead because he loves you. And he wants to be in community and in fellowship and in an intimate relationship with you. And he wants to lead you by his spirit and tell you things that are applicable to your life by his spirit. See, we see this here with Paul and Agabus, that, that, that Jesus cares what's going on in this, in this situation. And there's an amazing other passage in the book of Acts that has actually become very important for us as a church and particularly as a staff. And that's found in Acts chapter 13. You've definitely heard Pastor John refer to this before if you've been hanging out with us for a while. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, so we can safely assume while they're in a setting just like this, in a worship service, in a community uh, moment of worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, those words should kind of jump off the page. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, does that sound like a normal Christian experience? Because it should. We should be ready and expectant that sometimes as we're worshiping and praying together and doing Christian life together, the Holy Spirit will jump in and speak and say something and give direction. Pastor John, in just this past January, referring to this verse, he said, through the gift of prophecy, the Holy Spirit tells the community the will of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. Now, we take this very seriously at C4 as a staff. We have this thing that we call prompting and planning. And what it means is before we go off and do our things and spend our budget and, and make our strategies, before we do that, we stop and we, we make time to listen to the Lord. We make room for this prompting. And before we go off and we do our plans, we stop and we say, God, what are your plans? Jesus, the head of the church, what do you think about this idea or Jesus, the head of the church, before we sit down to plan the next year of ministry, do you have anything that you want to say? And this has become something we've called prompting and planning. And out of those promptings, we begin to plan. Say, Jesus, we really think this is where you're leading us. What do you think? We're going to talk about testing in a moment. 
And once we affirm that it is direction from Jesus, then we begin to plan out of that. And, and I, for one, really appreciate that. I'm really grateful to not only work at a church like that, but to just attend one where the leaders really take seriously the fact that Jesus is the head here. He's the boss. He cares what we do and where we're going. And he actually cares so much that he's going to tell us if we just stop to listen. And, and you don't have to be a church leader for that experience to be true. Uh, I think church leaders have a greater responsibility to do that, but we all need to take time, perhaps even put it in our calendars so it doesn't get missed. We need to block off time to listen to God because not only does he care about the direction of this church, he cares a lot about the direction of your life. And if you stop to ask him where you should apply to university, who you should marry, or just little things along the way, he's going to speak to you. I love this line in one of my favorite worship songs by Amanda Cook. It's called Pieces. And it just simply says, God doesn't hide himself from us. It's not playing games. You don't have to kind of trick your way into hearing his voice like it's some sort of recipe. No, no. God loves you. And he wants you to hear his voice. And he wants to walk with you. He wants to be in fellowship with you. We're the problem. We're way too busy. And we think we're self-sufficient enough to get by without him. God speaks. We've got to listen. The second thing is this. It's important for us to know and to say that prophecy is not on the same level of authority as Scripture. It's not. When, when, when a word of prophecy is given through the spiritual gift, New Testament style uh, of prophecy, it's not on the same level of authority as Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16, we should know this. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The point here is that uh, when prophecies are used, they are not infallible, but God's word is, and it is authoritative for faith, life, and practice. The scriptures say that we've been given everything that we need for life and godliness through his word, and, and the prophecies that we may receive are not the final authority for our lives. We see this uh, in the story of Agabus. If you read very closely, and if you continue reading the story uh, of what Paul and his companions are doing in the book of Acts, you realize that Agabus, though he, we can safely assume, had the spiritual gift of prophecy and was the real deal, he only got about two-thirds of his prophecy right. He didn't even get the whole thing dang on. We, we, we know that uh, Agabus said that Jewish leaders would bind or arrest Paul when he gets to Jerusalem and hand him over to the Gentiles. Okay, that's, that's close. But uh, just quoting JT here, the Romans, not the Jews, bound Paul. And, and, and the Jews, rather than delivering him voluntarily, tried to kill him. And Paul had to be rescued by force. So the, the prediction was not far off, but it had inaccuracies that an Old Testament prophet would not have. See, no Old Testament prophet ever got their prophecy only partially right. It was a different ballgame, not the spiritual gift, New Testament, of prophecy. You can't imagine if Jonah were to walk into Nineveh and say, hey, destruction in 40 days if you don't repent. If you think, like, whatever you think, like, if you think I got it right, you can obey my prophecy. No, no, whatever the prophet of God in the Old Testament spoke was God's words. It's different in the New Testament. No, whether we're using the gift of prophecy or words of knowledge, or we're just simply kind of leading and, and, and walking through our lives, we have to be very careful when we claim to speak on God's behalf. In fact, I think we should stop a little bit short of that. And even if we do feel God has spoken, have a humble posture that says, I think this is what God has spoken. I really do. Now, would you help me with this? As we learn to use our gifts, 
honest mistakes are okay, but to use that as manipulation, God told me to tell you this, when we haven't tested it, we're not sure, we're speaking the Holy Spirit said. Those are heavy words, like I said, we must be careful. Uh, the third thing I want to say is this. As a result of this, the fact that uh, prophecies are under Scripture, not on the same authoritative plane, all prophecies must be tested. We can't just feel like we heard something from God and go announce it without testing it first. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Do not be overly skeptical and dismissive. However, test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. See, the story of Agabus is proof that we need testing. What's missing from this account is the companion stopping to see if this was genuinely from the Lord. See, nobody stopped to ask if this was right. Nobody stopped to ask God if this was bang on. And furthermore, nobody stopped to ask God why he revealed this information to them. The very next verse says that when we heard this, Paul's companions, we pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But stopping Paul from going to Jerusalem was not God's will. And they didn't stop to ask what, what, what the prophecy meant, if it was even true, and why God revealed it to them. See, there's some, there's some missing steps here. In chapter 20, if you read the kind of the context, it says that Paul was compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. So why would the Spirit, a chapter later, tell him not to? It's very simple. He didn't. He didn't. The Spirit was warning Paul what was coming for him. And his companions interpreted, they inferred their own agendas because they were trying to get him to stop because they knew that hardship was coming. They stepped in and they interpreted Agabus' prophecy to mean he shouldn't go. But that was wrong. The prophecy from Agabus was simply that Paul would have trouble in Jerusalem. And we can so easily make the same mistake. When we feel like, when we feel like the Lord has spoken to us, we can immediately attach our agenda and our plans. I've done this so many times. To what God has actually said and then tell others this is all that what God really said. Really God just said the first part. We have to stop when God speaks and we have to test what we believe that he said. Because if we don't, people get hurt. And if we don't, Jesus is leading us this way and we just go a little bit that way. And by the time we get to the end, we're miles apart. We have to stop and say, first of, first of all, we have to stop and say, Lord, is this from you? And if it's from you, how much of it is from you? See, everything kind of passes through a broken vessel. Our flesh gets involved. It's very hard to be 100% bang on 100% of the time. So we have to take a humble posture that says the scriptures are here. Anything that we feel we've been spoken to by the Spirit is below. So we have to ask God, is this from you and what parts of it is? Secondly, why did you reveal this information to me? Because he may just simply want you to pray. He may he might want you to act on something. He may want you to just wait because the timing is not right. So on a very practical level, how do we test prophecy or other promptings from God here at C4? First of all, um, I, I, I would just acknowledge on behalf of our staff, it's actually quite a challenge, particularly as our church continues to grow. We're now in three places, soon to be four, five services, probably going to be more, particularly when Pickering launches. What we did a few years ago is we bought a little cell phone. You may remember when we said at the beginning of the service, if you feel like you have a word or prompting, text this number, what you think the Lord is saying, and we'll test it. Now, we, have, we, we found that that doesn't really work for us anymore in this multi-site environment, but we're working on it, and it's a bit of a challenge. But the point is, uh, we test it. And, and the way that we do that, first of all, is we test it against Scripture. 
Scripture, as I've said, is the ultimate authority for all of life, faith, and practice. If any part of a prophecy contradicts any part of Scripture, it must be rejected. Prophecy must be in alignment with Scripture. Now, as I've said, it doesn't, have to, doesn't mean we have to throw the whole thing away. Oftentimes, two-thirds, like Agabus, will be correct, and then part of it won't be. We have to discern that. We also need to test in community. We test against Scripture, and we do it in community because we are fallible beings as well. We get things wrong. We need to bounce it off each other, and it's an amazing discipline of working together in the body of Christ, this idea of interdependence. And there's a great tool that we can use, thirdly, it's kind of a, a nerdy theological term, it's called the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. And actually, on my very first day here working at C4, John drew this out for me and explained it to me, so I remember it vividly. If you can imagine a, 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 a excuse me, a, a di I can't think of the word, a diamond, excuse me, at the top is scripture, and at the other points are, are, are reason, experience, and tradition. And once it's passed through the filter of Scripture, we can pass it through the other filters and ask questions like, have we seen God move in this way before? Does this make sense? As I engage my brain with my faith, which we are encouraged to do, does this make sense, even though it could be uncomfortable? Have we seen God act like this before? And these are the ways that we guard against being hurt. Kind of this idea of, it's a terrible phrase, spiritual manipulation. When we feel like leaders or other people say things on God's behalf that may not be true or may not be all the way true, sometimes we're going to make mistakes. But the best way that we can guard against that is to stop and slow down. And when the Spirit speaks and the Spirit moves, to pause and to pray and to ask and to test what he said. One of the best examples I've seen this done and demonstrated here at C4 actually happened recently with a good friend of mine, Brent Baggett, uh, who is our family ministries pastor. Uh, he was here for uh, a kids ministry meeting uh, a few months ago. He was the last person here. There's nothing to do with kind of spiritual things. It was just a, a regular meeting with his leaders. He was locking up the building. He was the last person here. And as, as he was walking through the lobby, as he was telling me this story this week, he, he heard the Lord prompt him to kind of come into the auditorium and to pray. So he walked in, he was obedient, courageous, he came in, he just knelt down, and all he said was, here I am, Lord, and he began to listen. And the Lord began to speak to him. So what he did is he pulled out his iPhone, he pulled out the recording app, and he audio recorded himself saying what he felt God was saying to him. I'm gonna read it for you. When he was done, he pressed stop on the recorder, he went home, he sat on it, he slept on it, and the next day he submitted it to the leaders of the church, to Pastor John, Dave. And every week, I don't know, don't know if you know this, Pastor John and Pastor Dave and Pastor Beth, they meet to listen, to do listening prayer. And if there are any promptings or prophecies that have been given, they pause and they pray through them and they ask the Lord if they are from him. So they did this with Brent's prophecy. They found that almost all of it was accurate. And then Pastor John shared it right here a few months ago. You may remember. Let me read it for you. This is how it's supposed to work. Brent felt the Lord said this. Brent, I am here. Listen, I'm going to do great things among you. I am afoot. My kingdom is drawing close. Tell those around you. My love for the people cannot be held back. I am coming close. Yes, I am coming close. There will be great change among your church, but I will be there. I am doing a new thing. My mighty kingdom is approaching. Worship me, 
Come close to me. Oh, how I love you. Great hope will come. Great joy will be found. People will be saved. My mighty kingdom finds a home here. I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the mighty one. Come to me. Worship me. Much is about to happen. I am coming close. I am doing a new thing. The power of God cannot be contained. I will overflow into the streets, into this region. Praise me and worship me. I am your great king, and I have come to unite you with me. Amen. That's not just a sermon illustration. That is a prophecy from the Lord that has already been shared here at this church. Now, as we test this, we see that none of that is in, uh, out of alignment with Scripture. In fact, it's in alignment not only with Scripture, but what the Lord has been speaking to us as a church for several years, that he's going to come and bring renewal and revival and awakening. It's going to spill out of our doors and affect other people in our land. Amazing when we see this gift in action. So three quick questions for you as we, as we think about all this. First of all, very simply, as we've been doing each week in this series, do you have the gift of prophecy? We want you to come and pray if you do. Do you think that you might? Is this morning kind of beginning a new conversation for you? Even if you know that you have this gift and you've prayed through it before, we still want to invite you to come forward for prayer. But if you're wondering, you're not even sure, just come forward and pray with someone and just tell them, hey, I think I might have this. This is why. I'm really not sure. We would love to pray for you. Here are kind of some symptoms to know that you might have this gift. You sometimes feel that you have a word for the community or a small group expressed in a scripture or an image or a picture. It doesn't always have to look like Brent's did. It can look differently. Or a statement that will encourage or admonish. Perhaps you are not afraid to speak out in public or take strong stands on issues. It doesn't have to be. You tend to see the needs of a group as a whole and are willing to take stands on biblical standards. Maybe. When you speak publicly, people are convicted by the truth that you give. Maybe. You demonstrate an intersensitivity to God and have a variety of experiences in which the Holy Spirit speaks to you. If you experience these things, you may have the gift uh, of prophecy. So please come forward for prayer. If you would like this gift, as we've said, you can ask for it. But check your motives. Be ready to hear no. But God is good and he invites us to bring our requests before him. By the way, as a side note, if you've been here for this series and you haven't prayed through the gifts that you have that have already been taught, maybe you missed a week or maybe you just didn't come forward for prayer, let me just read the list of gifts that we've already gone over. And if you have one of these or more than one and you haven't come forward for prayer, please come this morning. Administration, helps, mercy, giving, teaching, exhortation, apostleship, leadership, pastoring, evangelism, faith, discernment of spirits, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and intercession. If you have any of those gifts and you haven't prayed with an elder or a pastor about them in this series, please, we'd invite you to do that. The second question that I want to ask is that if you don't have the gift, if you're in kind of that other group that I'm in, you don't have the gift, uh, do you need a change of perspective towards the gift of prophecy? You know, I've grown up in the church, so I've kind of seen kind of both extremes of this, seen uh, this gift kind of used, I would say, probably the wrong way. People have been hurt. People get really excited about God speaking and, and kind of forget to check things, and people get hurt. On the other side of the coin, and I would suspect a lot of us might fall into this camp, there's kind of a, a lot of arm shrugging around this gift and a lot of stubbornness I've observed. And a lot of people are slow to believe that God is genuinely moving and speaking. Now, that's probably because you've seen it misused or you've been hurt. But God still speaks, and we can't miss it. 
We can't let our history or our pain or, or our subtle disagreements in theology uh, cause us to miss a mighty move of God. So if you need healing because you've been hurt by this, by a, a Christian leader in the past, uh, come forward. If you're stubborn or skeptical, remember the words of 1 Thessalonians 5.20. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. It's a direct command. We're not allowed to just brush everything off. Like, No, God speaks, and we have to be ready, and we have to listen. Maybe you are or were a pastor or a Christian leader, and you've been the one to misuse it. Uh, maybe you need to come and, and repent and find healing kind of on the other side of the coin as well. And I'll close with this. Um, I don't normally do this, and this wasn't planned because it's a good fit for the sermon. No. But as I was preparing this week and I was praying and studying uh, this topic, I really felt like the Lord was going to speak uh, to us as a church through the gift of prophecy. I really felt like the Lord is going to give one of you, whether here in Ajax, Port Perry, or Bowmanville, a specific prophecy to be shared with all of us. So just bear with me for a moment. The question is, do you have a prophecy to be shared? And before you stand up and start yelling it, let me, let me explain to you how we do this at C4. Uh, don't stand up. We need to test it. There is no order in you just feeling a prompting and standing up in the middle of a service to do it. What you need to do is come to the front at any of our sites. Go find your host. They sit in the front row. And come and submit what you believe the Lord has given to you to the leaders of the church. And the leaders of the church will test it in community to see if it is to be shared at all, if it is from the Lord, if it is to be shared publicly or, or privately, uh, and when it is to be shared. And, and we do this all the time. It often goes unseen. We, we test things as leaders in community to see if the Lord is really telling us something as a church. And if he is, you better believe we're going to share it. We're going to listen to what it says. Seeing it done this way, my opinion is amazing. It leaves me with this new sense of the fear of God, that God is actually among us, that Jesus is actually the head of the church and he cares and he notices and he's involved and he's leading his people. As leaders, we have a great responsibility to hear and to listen to what God is leading. But if you're not a church leader, most of us aren't, you still have a great opportunity and responsibility to hear what the Lord is speaking to you, to ask him what it means, and if, it, if it's from him, and, and to act on what he says. The Lord is active in your life. He wants to speak to you. He is speaking to you because he loves you. So let's pray and see what the Lord does. Lord Jesus, we do love you, and we thank you that you are a God who is not removed from our experience that you speak to us, that you love us. And in this moment, we just simply ask, Holy Spirit, speak. We are open, Lord Jesus. As a church, we surrender to you. We place ourselves under your authority, under the authority of Scripture. We know that you speak. We know that you move. We know that you care. Now, Lord, we want to hear what you have to say. Lord, for those this morning who uh, have the gift of prophecy in our church or are perhaps discovering it, would you bring clarity, character, uh, confirmation, would you lead them to the front to pray? Lord, those who have been perhaps hurt by the use of this gift or, or the misuse of it in the past, Lord, would, would there be healing in this place this morning across all of our church? Uh, and Lord Jesus, we just simply ask that you would continue to lead our church. Thank you for doing so in the past. Thank you for giving us this planning and prompting idea that, that, that we give you credit for.
Lord, we just pray that you would continue moving among us, that the prophecy that Brent shared would be true, that you would be among us, that you would do a new thing, that you would come in power and spill out into our neighborhoods and our region. We love you and we worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.